Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to remember those who've transgressed against the great spirit of inclusion and must henceforth be forever cast into the abyss of dead names. In this moment of our remembrance, we prove with great grief and wailing the sincerity of our noble tolerance. What we once wrongly allowed in the ignorance of white privilege has become the cleansing rite of virtue signaling we use to prove our purity. Join with me now as we remember those we've lost. First, Christian Amanpour. For refusing to wear a headscarf at the request of Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi, whose devotion to Islam compels him to avoid consorting with an uncovered woman. Now, I must confess that this particular cancellation pains me, because Amanpour has always been a champion of female achievement and also represents our religion's most high and exalted news source, CNN. But as you well know, we, the people of the sacred and unpronounceable acronym string, hold religious tolerance in such high regard that literally nothing else can outweigh it. We believe that every religion is true and also completely equal with every other religion as long as it isn't Christianity. As such, whenever someone as kind and even-handed as the president of the mostly peaceful Islamic Republic of Iran makes a simple request of a woman to not lure him into temptation with her loose and harlot-like exposed hair, she not only should comply, she should comply eagerly. As our core doctrine on the sexual uselessness of the human male teaches, men are pigs who cannot control their sexual desires, and so if a man comes before you admitting his weakness and requesting you to aid him in fighting his lustful nature, help him you must. Amanpour herself admits she wears a headscarf when reporting in her native land of Iran, which means this is not an objection on principle, but merely her selfish refusal to protect a devoted Muslim from her own temptress nature, an irresistible lure on Satan's hook for this man of Allah. She should be ashamed of herself and the disrepute she has brought upon her sacred and holy news network. Woe unto all who offend. Woe unto all who offend. Second, Texas Pete's Hot Sauce. The makers of which have recently been sued over the misrepresentation that their product comes from Texas when it's actually made in North Carolina. Now, to be fair, as fourth-generation devotees of the proselytarium of positive perception production through creative renaming, we certainly understand the utility of misusing words to create a more desirable public impression. That's why we actually have no issue with the misnaming of the hot sauce. Because that's not the real problem here. Who cares about the origin of the hot sauce? Have you seen the bottle itself? The litigants in this case have inadvertently done the world a public service by making us notice the numerous offensive elements of the Texas Pete's label, which features one of the most barbaric images I can remember seeing in my 51 years of virtue signaling self-purification. Literally everything about this western cowboy icon is unacceptable. First, he's a man. And as we all know, the long-standing and hurtful sexism in the cattle ranching industry is a source of great pain to us feminists even to this day. Women can be cowboys too, you know, or cowgirls, or cow others, whatever they like. Second, I assume I needn't list all the evils of beef production, the terrible greenhouse emissions, the cruelty of sacrificing cattle to our carnivorousness, and of course, belts and purses. And just in case you wonder whether Pete might not be a more enlightened cowboy, note the enormous whip he wields with glee. And if somehow you decide to overlook the whip, notice the oversized spurs he wears on his boots. No, Texas Pete represents a lifestyle mired in cruelty to both cattle and also horses, which he rides as if they are mere objects, and I'm sure without their written consent. Now, obviously, his legs' widespread stance might seem to merely reinforce his image as a macho horseman, but in truth, this portrayal mocks and marginalizes persons suffering from congenital genu varum, disabling bow-leggedness. So cruel. But the worst part of Pete's outfit isn't any of these offenses, but instead, the two pistols Pete carries around his waist. 
Are we really to believe that having a picture of a gun-toting, cow-abuser menacing customers with a whip is a suitable image for the grocery store aisle? What if children see it? What if children see it? And what if a bottle of this hot sauce were to somehow make it past the dangerous drawing detectors and into an actual school? A picture of guns and a whip in an educational setting? Unimaginable! So regardless of whether he is Texas Pete or North Carolina Pete or Massachusetts Pete, the sexist pro-gun, pro-whip, anti-bowleg, and anti-animal cowboy must go woe unto all who offend. Woe unto all who offend! Finally, a word of praise for the fine American citizens of Gen Z who recently enlightened the rest of us about the unkind, hurtful, and othering traumas inflicted by unthinking use of the thumbs-up emoji. That's right, young people all over Reddit have explained that this highly offensive icon, far from representing a simple nod of agreement or happy affirmation of assent, is in fact used by their peers as a passive-aggressive act of disdain and contempt for the persons to whom it is being sent. Even though this emoji may seem innocent at first because of its original meaning, the Gen Z culture of satire and sardonicism has provided a second meaning which is exactly the opposite of the first. And what do we do whenever there are conflicting meanings for a pictograph? Well, as Salamanca's fifth linguistic ramification reminds us, when determining the appropriateness of a word or symbol which can mean different things to different people, whoever is the most offended by it determines the outcome. Hence, since a once innocuous gesture of encouragement has now been turned into a microaggression of contempt, we must all abandon its use in order to safeguard the feelings of the sensitive and vulnerable everywhere. In addition, the unofficial ambassadors of Gen Z on Reddit inform us that the red heart, the OK hand, the check mark, the pile of poo, the loud crying face, the monkey of covering eyes, the clapping hands, the lipstick kiss mark, and the grimacing face are all also equally offensive, each for very different and completely legitimate reasons. Therefore, given our general inability to adapt quickly enough to Gen Z's ever-changing declarations of emotional neediness, it's probably best to simply live by this rule. When in doubt, only use words in your texts and emails, just as long as you don't call. Never call someone from Gen Z. It makes them feel threatened and anxious, and definitely never give them thumbs up on screen or in real life. Physical gestures make them feel nauseous. Poor little guys. Woe unto all who offend. Woe unto all who offend. And now with these cleansing rites performed, may we all go forth in loving tolerance and microaggress no more. Woe unto all who offend. Woe unto all who offend. <laughs>